Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Welcome, welcome to Spark Rentals uh, podcast, Facebook Live. So happy you're all here to join us. Let us know in the chat where you're joining us from and if you have any questions. Um, last week, uh, Dave Dubow, did I did I get that right? You did. <laughs> you did. Yes. Talked with Brian about getting creative with sandwich leases, tenant first investing and, and more things like that. This week, we are going to do how to measure your return on hassle, active versus passive investing. Um, so with that being said, Brian, talk a little bit about just, you know, time and labor and whatnot. One of the core challenges here with real estate investing, at least active real estate investing, is that there is there is a, a time and labor component to it that you don't have with most types of investments. Most types of investments are totally passive, right? If you invest in a stock or an index fund, you know, an ETF, whatever, uh, you just click a button on your brokerage account and it's done. And you don't right. have to do anything from there. You know, you just, whenever you feel like selling it, you can sell it. Uh, it takes you 30 seconds from start to finish. With real estate investments, or at least active real estate investments, it takes a lot of, of time uh, and it takes knowledge and skill. And we'll talk about some of some of those tasks that take time and some of the knowledge and skill that you have to learn, which and learning that also takes a lot of time. Uh, so you can't compare the returns on, say, a rental property with the returns on a stock, for example, without taking into account the, the hassle and labor and time required on your part to buy that rental property, right? I mean, let's, let's just say, for example, that you earn 10% on both a stock and on a rental property in the course of a year. The stock took you 30 seconds to buy and manage. The rental property probably took you dozens, if not hundreds of hours between buying it and managing it. So you have to take into account that hassle, that, that time and energy and effort on your part uh, because your time is the most valuable asset that you have. You can always make more money. You can't get more time. You have a certain amount of hours remaining in your lifetime and it, and it gets shorter every hour that goes by, right? And you don't know exactly how many hours, but that is a limited commodity. Not uh, to mention the aggravation piece. Um, yeah, because right. And peace is important and anything that impounds on that is, you know, well, that's an excellent point that a lot of those hours that you spend managing properties are maybe not like happy hours either, right? <laughs> like it, those might be very unhappy hours of labor as opposed to, you know, maybe doing a side hustle that you love or, you know, whatever it is. So Denny, uh, talk us through what are some of the, the, the things that you have to do when you buy properties directly, when you actively invest in real estate? 
I mean, well, first, just from the very beginning, you have to look for financing. And then once you find financing, you have to get all the paperwork together. And it's usually, you know, <laughs> a lot. Um, then you, you know, get to the closing and whatnot. Then you have to rent it out. Did I miss There's something? stuff before that even. I mean, finding good deals oh, in general takes a ton yep. of time, right? Exactly. Yep. That takes a lot of time, actually. Yeah. You know, good I mean, deals are not just lying around the MLS. I mean, investors who consistently earn high returns, they're going out there and finding off-market properties, right? right. They're, they're driving for dollars. They're sending out direct mail campaigns. They're, they're uh, contacting people in foreclosure. That's a ton of work. Uh, you know, the money aside, it takes a ton of work to do that. Absolutely. So then you finally find the property, you finance it, and you get it. I mean, you may have to fix it up. So you have to deal with contractors or your own time to fix it up. Um, and contractors, by the way, managing, like hiring, screening, negotiating with contractors, managing them and overseeing their work, one of the most difficult parts of being an active real estate investor. People underestimate that when they get into real estate investing. It's really hard and and often miserable dealing with contractors. They can be not the most professional people on the Ooh. planet and can really make your life harder as an investor. I have two, one quick story. I won't tell the other one, but I was, <laughs> I was managing a, uh, like a rehab for a very large apartment complex, um, kind of in the city. And you know, you have timelines and you would need one contractor to get done in order for the next contractor to come in. So if one right. contractor doesn't show, then the other ones get messed up too. Oh, it's so, a domino effect. Oh yeah. my goodness. It was, it was tough. So I learned at a very, very young age, cause I was in my twenties and I learned that you need to not only find good contractors, but you need to communicate you need to build a rapport with them, the whole nine yards. And the best way to find a contractor is through other contractors that you trust. I learned that too yeah. at a very young age. So anyway, that's um, very important. Um, it's dealing in all this. Um, the next thing is place is done, ready to move into. Now you got to find somebody to move in. So <laughs> you're advertising. And if you're not using a realtor or a property management company, you're meeting them at the property, you're showing it, that all takes time. Oh, yeah, um, a lot of time. And, you know, sometimes you get a talker and something that <laughs> takes, you know, 20 minutes to go through, you're there for an hour. So, I mean, there's a lot of things. So it could take a lot of time. Um, then you have to screen them and, you know, Currently in my market, you could get, and it's not unheard of to get 15 to 20 applications anymore on a rental. And that is real fun. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going through all of these things and that's fine. You choose somebody, but then you got to let the other ones know. So then there's that. And then, oh my goodness. Uh, you, you have gotta, to sign a lease agreement. You have to collect right. deposits. You have to know how to store those security deposits uh, legally in your market, which raises another point of having to learn all the local landlord-tenant laws. Yep. And you definitely want to do that. And then you think, okay, they're in there. I'll just relax. and collect my <laughs> monthly rent. Nope. <laughs> There's calls about maintenance issues. Sometimes you can have a pain in the butt 
somebody who calls for things that aren't really issues. Um, Light bulb goes out. Yeah, like you don't know how to change that. <laughs> and even worse, you can get issues with non-payment of rent, destruction of property, parties, um, the whole thing. When you're dealing with people, you're de- you could be dealing with a wide range of issues. So um, then you have that. And then if you can't resolve it, you end up going to court. Um yeah, you have to enforce your lease, file evictions, show up in rent court, show up for the actual eviction date. I mean, it's all work. Yes. And depending on your, like if you're in a city, whole different whole different world. Even just getting to court is a different process. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, like Brian said, um, and we both have experience, it could take a year I had somebody in Philadelphia in a house and it took me 11 months to get them out. And I ended up having to do the cash for keys to get them out. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if if you are a landlord long enough, you're going to have plenty of your own nightmare stories about tenants. Uh, And yes, you can delegate some of that work to a property manager, Mm -hmm. but then you have to manage the property manager. You have to double check their work make sure that they're not nickel and diming you with hidden fees that aren't always showing up. Uh, when it comes time to sell a property, you have to market and sell the property. You have to hire a realtor. You have to maybe mm-hmm. do some repairs to sell. I mean, it's a lot of work to buy properties directly. Uh, now there, and- I don't, I don't want to um, just poo poo on the whole thing. There are, there are good things about it too. I mean, I've had good experiences, you know, I've had great residents that lived you know, long-term and we're no problem, but either way, even with that, there's still time spent. Yeah. And the bottom line here is that you have to account for that time. You have to uh, take it into, uh, into account when you're calculating your returns, your time has a certain dollar value. I mean, every hour of your time is worth a certain amount of money. Uh, and not necessarily just what you earn in your in your job. Uh, your personal time is precious and might be worth more to you than the hourly rate that you happen to earn at your job. So you know if you're if you're spending dozens or hundreds of hours a year for each property that you own, that's real money. Uh, that's, that's money out of your mm. pocket. Uh, that reduces your real return on that investment compared to a passive investment like a stock or like a passive real estate investment, such as mm-hmm. uh, a, a REIT or a crowdfunding uh, investment or a real estate syndication. These are all passive investments where you just write a check. You just you know transfer the money by ACH, you click a button and it's done. Uh, it's like investing in stocks in that sense where, yeah, click of a button, it's done. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to spend those dozens or hundreds of hours a year uh, messing around with the property uh, hassling with tenants and contractors and local inspectors, pulling permits, uh, you know, all that stuff. Uh, you just sit back and enjoy the cash flow. Uh, you get the, the appreciation, uh, you get the tax benefits in many cases, like with real estate syndications, you get, you get cash flow appreciation and full tax benefits, uh, without any of the, the labor or hassle or headaches of being a landlord. So, Something to the consider. other thing that, um, not to you know push our our thing, but you know, with the club that we we are involved with, you get to hear and learn 
um, from so many others and just built, it's like a community. So it's like, we're all in this together kind of thing. And I mean, there's something really nice about that too. It's almost like a, a friendship type thing that y'all have something in common. And Oh, and we are literally in these investments together. I mean, we, we are literally each putting in small amounts of money in these co-investing club deals uh, in order to meet the, the larger minimum investment for these big apartment buildings. You know, so each person puts in five grand, 10 grand, you know, whatever they feel like putting in for that investment uh, instead of having to invest 50 or hundred grand in these, these large apartment building investments. Um, so we are literally in these investments together and, and, you know, vetting the investments together, screening them together. Um, it's, it's a, it is a group effort to your point, Denny. Uh, and it doesn't mean that every investment is perfect, of course, but when you are investing with a group of other investors, chances are you're going to do a better job of evaluating those investments um, because you're crowdsourcing it to a group of people. Right. right. You have that many more eyes on each deal. Uh, and it just reduces the amount of money you have to put in each investment. When you buy a right. rental property, you're looking at a similar like 50 to 100 grand between the down payment, the closing costs, any initial repair costs, cash reserves that you need uh, based on the terms of your loan. Uh, so, yeah, if you invest in a real estate syndication by yourself, if you invest in a rental property by yourself, you're probably looking at that 50 to 100 grand range, maybe Ooh. 25, depending on the property or the syndication. Um, but it's a lot of money in one asset. When you invest in a group investment, uh, like what we do in our co-investing club, it's five grand minimum per investment, which not chump change, but it's also not 50 or 100 grand. So, uh, you know, that you know, now that's a, a separate uh, a separate advantage than you know what we're <laughs> focusing on today with the the hassle and that the return on hassle. Uh, now there is there is a time and a place, like you said, Denny, uh, for direct real estate investing, for active real estate investing. In my opinion, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, Denny. Uh, to me, the the people who should be considering active real estate investments are people who are really handy and really like. Uh, fixing up properties themselves, you know, someone who's going to go in, buy a fixer upper, renovate it themselves on their nights and weekends because they like it, right? Because it's it's a it's like a hobby business for them. Uh, that's that's how they enjoy spending some of their free time. Uh, so it's a way for them to earn some money doing something that they already love, right? Right. So that's that's one case where it makes sense. Uh, if you if you have a very specific real estate business model that you are really passionate about, like short-term rentals, like maybe Ooh. you love, maybe you want to build a business as a, a host, uh, like a uh, an Airbnb host, and, and that hospitality business speaks to you. Again, it, it's like a hobby business, right? It's something that you love, that you're passionate about. Um, or maybe there's something really niche that you love, like the, the Burr strategy, you know, buy, renovate, rent, refinance, repeat. So in those cases, active real estate investing makes total sense because it's something that you love, that you're passionate about. Um, but if you just want to diversify your portfolio to include real estate, if you just want the cash flow and the, the appreciation and the tax mm -hmm. benefits, there are much easier ways to get that than by active investing in properties. So, Absolutely. okay, that's my two cents. Denny, Denny, what are your thoughts on that? No, I totally agree with that. I think there are people that have just a passion for either doing the, the renovation work or even managing. Like for a very long time, I liked dealing with the people. And I like, even though there were some negatives, I liked doing that. 
as I got older, I was like, okay, enough is enough. But, you know, um, some of my family and myself, we were even considering purchasing a um, property on ground up in the mountains because we can enjoy it. And then when we're not there, we can, you know, rent Rent it out. out Right. Yeah, exactly. So there are circumstances that work great for it. I'm not, I would never poo poo on it completely. No, of course (laughs) not. And so you raise a great point there that one other big advantage uh, to active real estate investing, one other reason to potentially do it or consider it is control, right? Um, and that's that's the big distinction between active real estate investing and passive real estate investing is when you buy properties directly, you have total control over them. So you can, as you said in your example, go use that property yourself if you feel like it, right? Um, you know, you have control over whether you want to pay the the loan off early or control over exactly when you want to sell it. Um, with passive real estate investments, you don't necessarily have that level of control. So if if you if control is important to you, then it might be investing time in order to get that. Um, just be aware that your time investment is also an investment alongside your yes. financial investment. You have to account for it when you're looking at your returns and evaluating how you want to invest your money. Absolutely. Is there anything that we didn't cover? Is there anything you want to add before we call this episode complete? I don't think so. But if anybody has any questions about any of this, please reach out to us on our emails. We're pretty good at answering. We're very good, actually, at <laughs> answering. Pretty good. What are you talking about? <laughs> Um, it's Denise at sparkrental.com and Brian at sparkrental.com. And also, if you've enjoyed this or any of our other podcasts, please feel free to leave a review. That would be, uh, we would be very, uh, happy and welcome. Makes a big, it's, it's something that's, it's free and quick for you to do that makes a big difference to us. So we would very much appreciate that. And on that note, we will catch you guys next week. Have a great week in the meantime. We'll catch you on the flip side. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Did you know we offer a free eight-video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side.